Hebrews 13 this morning, verses 18 to 25, for the first time in our consideration. Hebrews 13, 18. Pray for us, for we trust that we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And all God's people say, And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in few words. Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, with whom, if he come shortly, I will see you. Salute all them that have the rule over you, and all the saints, they of Italy salute you. Grace be with you all. And again, God's people say, This final section in the book of Hebrews includes one of the most dynamic and blessed benedictions in all of Scripture. The term benediction refers to an official pronouncement of blessing upon the people of God. And we will work with the pronouncement of blessing as found in verses 20 and 21 beginning next week. But for now, we call your attention to the fact that the book of Hebrews ends with emphasis upon elements of prayer and benediction. In this concluding portion, we are reminded of the connectedness all believers share under our great high priest, Jesus Christ. This emphasis of our connectedness serves us well as we this morning prepare to partake of the Lord's table. We begin this morning at verse 18 with the prayer for integrity. The prayer for integrity. Verse 18, pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. The apostle asked for prayer from the very saints he addressed in this communication. He understood firsthand that the benefit of praying saints in one's personal life and experience is nearly incalculable. He understood firsthand that the benefit of praying saints, both personally and ministerially, is almost 
unable to be calculated. His request in prayer is singular, pray for us, and yet he has three facets of indication under the general umbrella that we have dubbed spiritual integrity. The apostle asks the congregation to pray for his spiritual integrity. We briefly then would mention the apostle's conscience before God, number one, uh, his submission to the will of God, number two, and his aim to glorify God, number three, all indicated in the 18th verse. In the prior section, the apostle insisted upon the fact that the Hebrew believers offer praise to God, that they render the lips of their uh, uh, bodies, the lips of their lives in praise to God, that sacrifice of praise. But now the apostle desires uh, that uh, indeed uh, there would be prayer for him in regards to his own spiritual integrity. I call your attention to the word us, which expands this prayer of integrity to include those that are working alongside the apostle as well as the Hebrew saints who are praying. Pray for us. Pray for us all. Pray for all God's people as it relates to these connected prayers for our spiritual integrity in mutuality. Conscience is not the final arbitrator of the soul, but having a good conscience before God and man was the possession of the apostle, and he desired to walk on and to work on uh, under the banner of a good conscience. And so he says, pray for us, so that we can maintain our sense of good conscience before God and before men, so that we can walk on and work on in good conscience. Clear mind and clean heart before the Lord is always a personal issue in my life and yours, and it is always a corporate issue in our life together. The apostle wanted prayer so that it would stay for him relative to conscience exactly the way that it was with him. He had a good conscience, and he desires prayer that he might walk on and work on in that way. Further, he sought to be perpetually submissive to the will of God in everything. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing he was willing, he would stay willing, he was submissive, he would maintain his submissiveness to God in everything in order that God might be honestly glorified by his life and ministry patterns. This is a wonderful example, verse 18, of how you should pray for your pastor this is a wonderful example of how you should pray for the missionary. You should pray for the pastor and the missionary's mind, that it would be clear and their heart clean in good conscience before God. Pray that they would remain submissive 
to the will of God in all things and pray that they would keep their eyes on the goal of glorifying God day by day. And of course, that is not only one of the very best ways that you can pray for me, but to pray for each other. When you think about how should you pray for your brother, for your sister, I believe this scripture would instruct us we should pray for one another's integrity. We should pray for one another's spiritual integrity. Number two, we note the prayer, verse 19, for reconnection and reunion physically. Along with the good news, verse 23, of Timothy's release from prison. This is the only place in the New Testament where New Testament Timothy is directly said to have been in prison. Nonetheless, we know that Paul had told the, uh, the man Philemon in that other letter to prepare room for him, for he was trusting that the prayers of the saints would bring him in the will of God to Philemon. The desire for face-to-face fellowship in Christ with dedicated Christians is that which explains the good news of verse 23 and the greetings of verse 24 and the Pledge of Grace in verse 25. The reason that it was good news that Timothy was free from prison, verse 23, was because of the prospects of face-to-face fellowship in worship and instruction together as the people of God. You cannot shut down the congregation of saints from face-to-face fellowship. They can try. Verse 24, greetings. Salute all them that have the rule over you and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. How do you explain those kinds of greetings? Greetings from all over the world. Christ. Connectedness in Christ. Loving Christ means loving the family of Christ wherever they may be found. On many occasions in my past travels, I flew into the busiest airport in America, in Atlanta, Georgia. And when you fly into the world's busiest airport in Atlanta, Georgia, You're never quite sure exactly what you might have to do next. Run, sprint, walk, eat, wait, who knows? But uh, it's a busy place. I remember on one occasion, flight was delayed, decided to uh, grab a bite to eat, and uh, had a tray, no place to place the tray. Finally saw a little tiny uh, table over there. It was about this big around, 
and, uh, and uh, uh, not enough for even my tray, but I ran over there and grabbed that tray, and as soon as I got over there, I saw this big fella. He is about six foot ten. He went about 400 pounds. He come walking over his tray. He said, could I please sit, uh, say with you and stand there where your little table is and share your tray and eat? I said, sure. And so we started talking. We were all of 30 seconds into the conversation when I knew that he knew Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And I'll tell you, I don't think either one of us hardly ate anything, but boy, do we have fun. And by the time we got done interacting at the world's busiest airport in Atlanta, I mean, there were people around us around us that were looking at us like, who are those guys? They must have known each other forever. They must have known each other forever. No, we've only just met, but we will be together forever in Christ. There is a connection in Christ, and you must soak it. You must work it. You must be faithful to it. Connection in Christ is what explains the good news of 23. It's connection in Christ that explains the references in verse 24. It's connected in Christ that explains verse 25. Grace be with you all. Who here couldn't use that? Grace. Grace upon grace. Connections. Not just spiritual connections. Physical connections. And then thirdly, we note the prayer for reception of God's truth as faithfully and forcibly written, verse 22. And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in a few words. This letter is not a generic commendation, but a powerful exhortation calling for a single-minded devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a tough and challenging read for the tempted and the weary souls that received it. The word suffer in verse 22 otherwise means to forbear or to endure. And the apostle pleads with the Hebrews to welcome the truth of this letter exactly along the lines of his diligent prayers for them. Some truths are easy and a great blessing to hear. Other truths are difficult and challenging to hear. But all the communication of God's truth must be delivered and received with much prayer. We must bathe our opportunities in the scriptures together with specific requests before the throne of God as to its reception. It's rather funny for us to read in verse 22 that the apostle characterizes the letter to the Hebrews as brief, he says, I have written you bracus. I've written you short, brief, succinct. And, uh, and uh, 
taken us well over a year to, to preach through the thing. Uh, but nonetheless, the topics addressed are of a depth and height uh, that require uh, uh, a phenomenal sense of, of study uh, at, in order to digest. Yet, uh, the communication is masterfully brief in the light of the magnitude and the glories of Christ, our high priest, as presented. Now, before we turn our attention to the table of the Lord this morning, let me just turn Paul's threefold prayer request and emphasis into our benefit at the table of the Lord. A prayer for integrity, a prayer for intimacy, a prayer for inculcation, a prayer for integrity of one's life, a prayer for intimacy between God's people, a prayer for the inculcation of the word of God to our lives. The prayer for integrity. Spiritual integrity begins with faith in God and dependency upon his provision in Christ. To say that otherwise, spiritual integrity begins with a person's salvation. Spiritual integrity continues as a believer walks with God and actively cooperates with God's work in sanctification. Even the most mature of saints, as evident by 1318, must attend to the clearing of the head and the cleaning of the heart before God must perpetually submit to the will of God and must seek anew the glory of God in every word and deed. And I would say to you this morning as a flock, if you have no personal compelling to pray for your own spiritual integrity before partaking of the Lord's table, then please pray for mine. The prayer for connection. Oh, what a generation this is in need of prayers for godly connection. The prayer for physical connection in corporate worship. It was tough under COVID regulations to maintain gathering physically for worship. But by the grace of God, we did. We were right to think then, as we see in Scripture, that physical, face-to-face fellowship with other saints is the will of God for his people in regular experience. It does not mean we don't take precautions. It does not mean we thumb our nose at science, if it be science. Throughout Scripture, a person's commitment, listen, throughout Scripture, a person's commitment, please don't miss this, throughout Scripture, a person's commitment is soundly attached to their bodily presence. We would not honor the three Hebrew children relative to the story of the hot furnace had they not been committed in the flesh. 
we would not be celebrating the Lord's table today had he not died in the flesh. And you are not sincere for Christ until you got your body where it is supposed to be. God has made us physical people. And our response to God in glory must, of necessity, by God's creation and the Lord's redemption, be physical. As well as the interior of thy soul, of which you know well. And then, of course, the prayer for the reception of the truth. Few American local churches can match the duration of our corporate commitment to the Word of God in a place. First Baptist Church of Elto has been focused upon the Holy Scriptures and the Gospel of Christ since 1854. That's 169 years. In this we can, praise God. Yet, we cannot always take equal satisfaction or sense of joy in our reception to the Word of God personally in our years here together. The key to a good tire is where the rubber hits the road. And the key to a healthy local church is where the truth comes to life in words and deeds in the life of the saints. Father, clear our minds and clean our hearts that we might celebrate the grand truth of Christ, our Savior, our connectedness to him, our connectedness to each other, opportunity to live yet another day, another week, maybe another month or year after the glorious advent of Christ and yet before he steps out on a cloud. Prepare then the hearts of your people for the fellowship of thy table. We pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.